0: It certainly is, James. It certainly is. But don't forget that the talking part about beer is only half of the conversation. The other half is listening. G'day beer lovers, I'm Radio Brews News co-host Pete Mitchum, and thanks to Cryo Malt, this is Beer as a Conversation, our weekly catch-up with the people who are making the modern beer world such a colourful landscape. Today's guest is Phil Dempster from Borough Brewing, and in a delicious malt-driven example of serendipity, Phil was actually listening to an episode of Beer as a Conversation during his daily constitutional and wondered what he had to do to hook a guest spot when he received my invitation. Sometimes these things are just meant to be. Borough Brewing, named not as a nod to Australia's iconic avian alarm clock, but rather a contraction of its hometown of Currumburra, has been operating for just over two years and has built a loyal following with locals. Nestled on the hill on the main drag in the small Gippsland town, Borough is the manifestation of a crazy idea hatched by three blokes wanting to live the dream of owning a brewery. The plan ticked the boxes of having each bringing a different and necessary skill to the table, and in this chat, Phil goes through the process of planning and executing that plan, as well as the obstacles they negotiated along the way. In this respect, this conversation is invaluable for those in the position that uh, Phil now finds himself in now four years ago, if that makes sense. Enjoy the conversation. Phil Dempster from Borough Brewing, thanks very much for joining us on Beer as a Conversation. Go Pete, how's it going? Good mate, this is, um, well, everything at the moment I guess is is long overdue, so that goes without saying, but uh, we first met virtually um, through, as is often the case, recommendations. Um, I had friends who I'd worked with uh, and someone else who works in the local area said, there's a new place opening up in Currum Borough called Borough Brewing. Tell us the story of um, how it began. Yeah, look, we, we began by a few guys going and playing a bit of golf.
1: We um, had had the old golf away weekend up at Hillsville, and we decided let's build a brewery. So it was um, from there, it was a bit of a pipe dream.
0: Were beers involved at this point?
1: Many, many, and pretty crap golf. I don't even know who won, I'll tell you the truth. So. Look, we, we just sort of said, yeah, let's do this, and it was like just a pipe dream that went nowhere for a fair while, and then we got a bit serious. So three of us sort of come together. One's my brother and another one's Luke, and we sort of just kept working on it until we come up with a concept that worked and found many venues and lost many venues through the process, and we had our eye on this venue from the start. It was a pretty rundown down old building right in the main street, South Gippsland Highway, uh, which is on the way to the prom, so the through traffic's pretty heavy. So we always wanted to be on the highway and a lot of our other venues that we found were sort of just off and we thought we could signpost it and we know that people won't venture off the highway for signposts because they might end up, you know, somewhere where they don't want to be. So, yeah, that, that landed us to this and with the large beer garden out the front, it was spot on, it was our spot.
0: Phil, you've pretty much... you've. Pretty much just brushed over, you know. uh we just decided we do it, and it was a pipe dream. But but then it happened. But I guess what um what led you to believe that you that you could do it? Where where was the skill set, or why why a brewery, and why did you go ahead with it?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Look, I, I'd always brewed beer, so you know I was brewing beer when I was in high school. So it took me a little while till I was allowed to drink it. But um, you know I, I always had a passion for wanting to do that, and. The other two boys were always in the beer and loved, loved the scene. Uh, I had a logistics operational sort of background, so um, I understand how things move. And customer base was pretty important in the third-party logistics game. Uh, my brother was a mechanical engineer and he worked in hospitality at the start of his life before he sort of got his own engineering business. And Luke had also worked in hospitality and and our wives had all done the same. So it just sort of lended itself. We had a really good mix and a broad broad base. So we knew we had the right group of people because it was important. You know, I'd sort of researched this stuff for many years as a pipe dream
0: and knew that it had to be the right, right mix of people or it would be just tough. And obviously with the, the hospitality background involved, it was always going to be... Like it wasn't just going to... You didn't want a production brewery or a, a tap room or a, a winery-type cellar door. Was it always important that the hospitality part of it, the food offering, was there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, you know, as, as you know, there's those three
1: sort of aspects of putting a brewery together. You either become that brew pub, which we are, or a production facility, which we didn't have the money to, to build a large facility like that and then have the... The capital and the, and the uh, cash sitting in the bank to make it to grow before you could get some legs, and the small sort of oh, like you said, like a winery salad oil type setup just didn't appeal to us. It's, it was just too small and it was never gonna grow some legs. So this this brew pub style, we can hold 150 in here, so it allows us to to pack it out and and. Hopefully one day we can get some more legs about us. So yeah, so we we always we always knew the brew pub style was was the go. People like shiny tanks. Um, I'd drag my wife to nearly every brewery I could, and you know we looked at what worked, many of them, and what didn't work. Um, No disrespect to anyone else and what they've done, um, but we just knew that there was aspects that we wanted. So. We wanted to be able to walk through the front gate and see the shiny tanks and stand at the bar and see the tanks and all that sort of feel was important. And what was important as well was the people to sit around the, the actual tanks and and feel like the the bees, you know, pouring straight in their throat. So, yeah. so
0: so that local as well as that the fresh aspect was top of mind.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So for us, you know, this region's growing Really quick, uh, South Gippsland and Gippsland in general is a beautiful place, a part of Victoria. And uh, South Gippsland is a little bit untouched. Like a lot of people don't head down to the prom, and, or they might just shoot down to the prom and shoot back and don't realise all the little bits that hang off the side and how pretty they are. So we we knew that, you know, getting that the people in here would be important.
0: So. And just to put it in context for those who, who are unaware, because this is going to, um, I guess inform, um, a lot of the decisions that, that you made and, and why you, how you framed the, the borough brewing business. But, um, we're about 110, 120 odd Ks from yeah. Melbourne CBD. Paint the picture. What is, what is Curran Uh,
1: rolling hills. So, yeah, it's rolling green hills. It's dairy country. Um, it's, it always has been and it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful drive and, it's not the sort of... Um, it's not parched. Like, we're, we're green even in, 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 the, in the summer a lot of the time, unless they're cutting hay. And we're only 20 minutes down the Inverloch, so a lot of people can duck up from the coast. Um, and from the outskirts of Melbourne, we're, like, 40 minutes. So you sort of drive along the Bass Coast Highway and then veer off onto the South Gippie and you start entering into these hills where there's a few vineyards now popping up everywhere and the likes of us, brewery and little cheese places that showcase all the, the region and what it's for.
0: And as you touched on, um, I guess a lot of people would know uh, Phillip Island as, a, as a, a tourist destination for locals as well as interstate and international. Um, Wilson's Promontory, in terms of, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just a beautiful part of the world, but also offers lots of, uh, I guess, that outdoor, healthy lifestyle hiking and all that sort of thing, envelope for your, your fishing and your water sports and, and that kind of thing. And Curranborough's got that advantage of, of being on the way too. So, like you yeah, say, you, you, you're going to pass through going to a lot of those places or it's not too much of a detour. That's
1: right. Like, so, um, we we sort of, in our research, we understood that if you're going to go away as a family, you might be an envelope, and um, you're after a day trip. So, we're a good day trip if people are there or we're a place where people... Come and stay. There's no doubt. Like Carnarvon's got heaps of accommodation now, and people are starting to come here and realise that it's a place where they can leapfrog to all those spots. So they can just quickly duck down the prime and go for a hike, or they can go to the beach the next day, or go and visit a, a brewery or or a, or a cheese place the day after. So it's sort of it's in that little niche pocket, and it's it's like a sweet spot, I suppose. That's the way I sort of looked at it and yeah. thought, yeah, we're we're in a sweet spot, and you've got to be somewhere, you know, we are like a through town. Cowanborough is the first spot that people stop, sort of a lot of people stop on the way to the problem. Um, it's a good halfway sort of point. But look, th- this town was, was big in the 1900s. It come from coal, so it was a, a black coal town. And, um, you know, we sort of looked at that as a marketing ploy for a while and thought coal's a bit dirty, so we headed away from it. and. We thought, what what's Caranbarra more about? It's more about the hills and the trees and, you know, and the nice nice scenery. So that's why we come up with our little tree on a hill as our logo, and it's just it's a tree just down the road. You just drove past it coming in, and there's a tree perched on the hill. Yep. Drove out there, took a photo of it, sent it off to the graphic girl, and she drew it up. So
0: Beck created that out of it, and
1: away we go. So
0: and and why Caranbarra? Why, is there a family connection there? Um... Yeah, yeah, we grew. Up, I grew up here, so
1: and myself and my brother grew up here. Luke come from Melbourne, but his partner and her they, her family's um, born and bred here. So and my brother's wife Kim, they're born and bred here as well. So
0: and that must help in terms of. Um, and uh, uh, Matt did a great interview with Kylie Lethbridge, um, who's yeah. the, the new GM of the of the um, the IBA, and she was sort of saying how they. Uh, she was once involved in a part chair in a, in a hotel. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing that was important, I guess, that, that gives you that validity or gives you that um, the street cred is that your locals... You're not interlopers coming in to try to kind of, you know, take money out of the... Or, or you know, implant yourself and change the the nature of the the yeah, place. Yeah, you're dead right. Yeah, so
1: we, we are locals and everyone knows us. And, you know, like Anthony, my brother, worked at the pub for many years and everyone knew him on the bar. And so being being part of the town and always been living here, well, I I moved to Melbourne for a while and come back, you know, realised that it was a nice place to live, so... You don't,
0: your voice doesn't give away that you stayed too long there.
1: No, 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 definitely not, definitely not. I didn't like it, to tell you the truth, it was too, too hectic. It's more Um, chill here, mate, so...
0: And as you touched on, Phil, there was, um, you know, the... Coal was really what well built Karamburra, um and I guess a lot of people, particularly in Melbourne, would know Currumburra as, as dairy, you know, a, a dairy sort of area, as you said. Um, then, it, I guess, from a tourist point of view, it really sort of dropped away after the coal finished, and, um, you know, apart from, uh, I guess, a lot of people would uncharitably call Coal Creek, you know, sort of a, uh, you know, Sovereign Hill light, or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a nice way. It is, I suppose. It's not as appealing, like, you know,
1: the, the, as a kid, you don't want to go down the river and say, look, Mum, I found a bit of coal, you know, it's not as not as nice as a bit of gold, but there was a lot of money in coal, and, you know, Curranborough sent a lot of trains to Melbourne, 1900s, we'll send 12 trains a day or something out to of this town, so it was huge, and it was a big place, and that's why we've got a big, massive train station that's... A, Beautiful Edwardian building that's still there. So, um, unfortunately, the trains don't run here anymore, and yeah, that's that's a different whole different kettle of fish. And I don't want to go there, but um, Cold Creek's not as appealing as Sovereign Hill. I worked at Cold Creek as a young fella, and but it's a nice spot. Like if you go down in there, it's it's. It's beautiful, mate. Like, so yeah. what, what I
0: was leading to there is what, what's the growth potential for Curranbarra and how did that influence um, your decision to, to set up shop here? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um,
1: good question, Pete. Um, look, in the 80s, Curranbarra was a boom town. Um, it was going really strong and sort of 70s, 80s, and then it died off. Um, I think it just didn't have the jobs for people and the likes myself, you know, Finished Year 12 in '92. There was no jobs around here, so off to Melbourne. So it was the old, old original recession that everyone probably remembers, and we're coming into another one, I suppose. But um, it, it become a it's becoming appealing again because people can realise they can sell up in Melbourne, they can move to a little town like this, buy a few acres out of town, and have a, a lot of change in their pocket. So and then realise that everything's a little bit slower. Everyone just a bit more chilled and people say good day to you in the street. And...
0: Yeah, I guess I'd never thought about it in that the same way as I think of, say, uh, Ballarat or Bendigo, where people now go, you know what, It's if I'm going to work in the outer suburbs of Melbourne and sit for an hour and ten on a train, I might as well drive for an hour and ten and it's a, a much nicer place to go home to. Are there more people at, down in the South Gippsland area who are commuting to Melbourne? Heaps. I did it for seven years, so... Um we when we
1: decided to move back to Canberra, for seven years I drove from here to Melbourne every day. And yeah, it used to be you know, I was on going to Knox but it was an hour trip, a bit over, it got a bit longer and longer eventually, once the monash become a car park, but it, it was it, it's easy and there's there's so many people in this town that all just drive to Melbourne now and have realised <coughs> they can get an out of suburbs job. Shoot live in beautiful country and drink local beer and end
0: up in Melbourne. And it's a great um, way, too, to catch up on uh, good quality beer podcasts. <laughs>
1: yeah, true, definitely. Yeah, yeah, you can you can smash smash a brews news out on the way down, so it's a perfect
0: time. Now, Phil, we first, I think, officially met, after we'd virtually met, um, or I'd become aware of you guys, um, at the Tr- Cry Malt Trade Hub, I think, at um, Fed Square yeah. during yeah. Good Beer Week maybe three yeah, years ago. H- how long has Borough been open officially now?
1: Yeah, we... Yeah. We opened in August 2018, so I reckon it was prior to that that we met at the trade hub there. I, was, I think our first trade trade hub I went to was the startup one. So it was it was um, if you want to start a brewery, that's a great spot to go to definitely. <clears throat> Wealth of knowledge in the room, and everyone's pretty open and you know that's what I found as well with this industry. As soon as we started looking into it, talking to people, everyone's so open. Not, you know, you don't go to a brewery and they'd shut you down and they don't want to tell you their home secrets. They, they're more than happy to help and tell you why, what they should do and what they wish they didn't do and all those sorts of things. So, yeah. yeah. But that sort of... You know, that, the trade hub, I suppose, helped me understand to probably get a 15-heck brew house rather than wanting to go smaller. I think there was a conversation at one of the trade hubs around
0: sizes of brew houses. So... You, you'll rarely hear a brewer... Uh, five years in or even 18 months in go oh, I wish I would bought a smaller no. kit no and and you know
1: that it, it's hard when you when you're like looking at the numbers it's like oh do we really need to spend that much money but um, you're only going to spend it twice as much twice as quick eventually um, 15 hex you know it's not massive either in terms of things so we've got two 15 fermenters and 230s so we can do double batches um, and we've got plenty of capacity there to, to smash out some more fumoners if we need to, and increase that capacity.
0: So, while we're on um, the subject, I guess of you know tips and tricks for young players, and obviously uh, the the material that you had available to you didn't put you off going it, but perhaps you know informed the way that you do it, and hopefully you know granted some success. There's going to be plenty of people listening to this who are in who are where you are now. They're you know three years. Ago, where you were, um, what sort of things? Uh, talk us through, I guess, choosing the site. What was it, and uh, you know, how did you go about council? That sort of thing. Was it the first one, or was it? Uh, did they have form and, and know how to help you guys out in terms of DAs? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, we we met with council really early and asked them, told them we wanted to build a brew. There's a little brewery in Lock and a distillery, so. Um, they had a little bit of knowledge around it, so they weren't totally, you know, we weren't talking foreign to them. They understood that it was a tourist trade, and that the town needed to swing and start dragging tourists here. So the the council on board was was key straight up. Um, I, that's a piece of advice for anyone. And and I think um, when they tell you these are all the things you need to do, you need to do them, <laughs> whether you've like it or not, you know it's, some of them are shit, but you gotta you gotta fly through them. So, venues important, um, and understanding what you want out of your venue. Do you want a, a flash meal, or you know we do wood fire pizzas here. Basically, we we're not going to try to become a, a restaurant, and we don't intend to. Um, so, understanding what you want to be, and and who you want to. Be long term is important, so that you can always focus back on it and realise when you're going off track. Yeah, that's probably a good trick, I suppose. Um, and do your research around your tanks and who, where you want to buy your gear from. And we bought our gear from Spark. Yeah, you know, we talked to all of the guys, and we just sort of ended up with Spark because I found Julian good to deal with, and found
0: couldn't couldn't lock their gear when we went from place to place. So. Was there value too, Phil, in speaking to other customers of Spark um, in terms of how they ran their system and, and that sort of thing or did you just sort of go based on the, you know, I guess the brochure info? No, no, we spoke to, definitely spoke to other breweries and um, that's what I liked about Spark. They just
1: gave us a list and said, here's everyone, go and talk to them. We started off to Ballarat because they had a uh, 15 hex sitting up there. So we went up there and... Um, was it at the athletic, or then yeah. the athletic club. Yeah, yeah. So we went up there to Pete's place and had a look around and drank plenty of his beer and realised. you know, and if you look at Pete's the venue that they had there at, at Athletics Club, it was a little bit similar in a lot of ways. Like it sort of had the bar and the brew hall. Um, their brew hall was down, our brew hall's up. So it was it was just a bit intriguing like that. They didn't have the beer gun, but yeah. So it's definitely worth looking at all those other venues, and like even taking you know if anyone thinks they're you, you're nuts, and uh, you can always take them into a different venue and show them, and they soon jerry pretty quick. When everyone's in a in a brew pub, they always seem to be happy. There's no one staring at a screen or anything like that. Everyone's you know communal, and and that's the key. That's what we wanted to bring. That. That social feel back again, and, and make people realise they're in a venue to, to have a chat with mates and have a good time, and not, not, yeah, you know, have a go at each other. And it
0: also draws a direct line between um, you know engagement with the locals and your product or your brand or your, um, uh, you know, your stomping ground, mm. trademark. Um, but it's also then that, that link with the engagement to the of the brewery and and its people to its community.
1: Yeah, definitely definitely. So, yeah, making them feel like that, that it's theirs and we've got locals here that drink in here that, you know, they're part of this furniture here just as much as we are, so they're in here every week filling their growlers or having their pizza or they might just be a family that come here for a pizza pizza at night, you know, they're not necessarily drinking beers. But, um, you know, for us as well, being a small little town, two pubs, both good pubs, and everyone drank in those pubs. were used to the standard CUB product, so we thought, well, let's deliver them. You know, open their eyes a little bit. So,
0: was it important? Was it front of mind? I guess to alter, to offer an alternative rather than look, we'll brew our own but we'll also like put other products on. Um, so it's it's not trying to compete, create a third pub. It's it's creating an alternative to the other two. Yeah, correct,
1: spot on. You know, early days I had plenty of people tell me, oh, I hope, you, hope you're hope you going to have Great Northern on tap and it's definitely not going to happen. So <laughs> they can keep waiting all they want. Um, people, We wanted people to have different choice and, and be different. So we're not trying to be one of those two pubs. They're, they're great in what they do, so there's no use in trying to take over their business. They've got their... Punters that drink in there, and we've got our guys that drink in here, and we've got plenty of people that drink in all three, and
0: enjoy them for what they are. So, so it's giving people an alternative. Like depending on the occasion, you've got a, a different venue depending on on what kind of night out you want.
1: Yep, definitely, definitely. And we do we we do big events here. We we've had you know 120 sort of person functions and whatnot in here. So, that the, they still all enjoy themselves. We do local wines, all our house wines, Gippsland Wine Company. So, you know, we have local wines and products. So they come here and enjoy. They don't have to just be drinking our beer. They can drink cider, they can drink wine, they can drink spirits or whatever they please. So we've sort of given it like a bit of a pub feel. But, yeah, we're we're not a pub. So we got rid of the sticky carpet. We put in, you know, we didn't want that feel. We wanted a nice polished floor and just a different feel. So, and I think we achieved it well, and the beer gardens, it's cold today, Pete, I don't think we'd want to be sitting out there, but um, it, it's still nice, and people do, I've, I think there was a, a moment when I just thought, oh my God, there was a family sitting out in the beer garden once, were well, full inside, there wasn't a seat to be had, and they're sitting out there in the rain eating their pizza, and I thought, this is crazy, like, what, what have we created for people to be wanting to sit in the rain and eat a
0: pizza, but. They seemed they were battered down, they all had their hoodies on and plenty of people who'd pay for that sort of marketing, <laughs> uh, you know, for word of mouth advertising. Um, before we go on, out of interest, uh visiting the other breweries who had similar sort of equipment, did it end up changing what you had intended to order or reinforce what you were going to order?
1: Yeah, yeah, to look reinforced it, I think. Um we definitely didn't want to go smaller. Um because Talking with guys that had tens and, and you know, a bit smaller again, we could feel their pain and, you know, when you're looking at the brewer and he's looking a bit chagged out and he's like, I'm brewing every day and, you know, just trying to double or triple stack small batches into little fermenters that it, it looked like and seemed like hard work. Um, so didn't want to end up in that position. So it, I think it just cemented what, we're, what we'd done. Would have been nice to go bigger again, but... There was that element of, you know, we are in a small little town, we don't need to be, you know, we're not going to become the new mountain goat one day when
0: Bruin well, mountain, mountain cruise, but eight, yeah. 18 months into mountain goat, mountain goat never thought they were going to be the, uh, the next mountain goat either.
1: Yeah, true, that's too true. So, yeah, look, we, we we've got plenty of space to grow if we need to and things like that, so...
0: So were you confident early on, um, and I, this is a, a nice segue into, because I, this morning I saw a video you posted where, you know, despite the, as we say, it's sunny out there at the moment, but it's pretty brisk, uh, but you're launching a Pilsner. Talk us through how, um, I guess, you you saw your core range or, or what you thought you needed to offer, given that you've got locals, but you've also got the tourist trade, and then has that changed? Yeah, it has a little bit, but um,
1: we knew we knew right from the start. If we just come out and tried to smash out IPAs and uh, Hazies and all these sorts of cool beers that are the, that are the niche market of the craft beer game, what it's known for right now, we, we would have been in a bit of trouble. So we created our beers, our, our slogans, your craft beer. So we 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 sort of stand by that, and we make beers that are pretty palatable to everyone. So um, our pilsner's one that sort of hangs around, and but our pale's not massively out of the range, and our golden ale's a core beer that sort of appeals to the to the every person drinker. You know, you still get people coming in saying, "What do you got that tastes like dry?" or, you know, so you got to have something there that appeals to them. And more and more now, we're just starting to we've sort of roll a few beers in
0: here and there that have got a little bit more punch, and it was quite... But is that all part of sniffing the wind and saying, okay, the overall beer market is shrinking, the, um, if you like, the sophisticated end of the beer market is growing, but it's still a very small percentage of the overall. You're then, I guess, in microcosm, you've got a very small segment of a very small segment with your locals. So I guess you kind of see their palate growing, you know, as, as the beer market... Grow, or the beer pellet grows as well yep definitely
1: so we um, yeah I went to smash out a beer there and it sort of didn't end up exactly where I wanted it so we had to play with it and um, threw the old poles mosaic in there and just created a, a mosaic beer so it wasn't where we where the recipe bill started you know when I sat down and designed the beer it was nowhere near where it ended up but it was amazing the amount of locals that said, oh, what's this mosaic? And they tried it and they were blown away and they're like, oh, wow, I didn't know beer could taste that way. So there's a whole lot of them that we've still got now that are experimenting. So they come in, they see we've got an Amarillo IPA sitting in the tank. So that when that comes out, they'll want to have it because it's something different and they haven't heard of it. And so they've all heard of a golden or a pale or a lager. So they sort of... If they try a lager, they're expecting, you know, crown or whatever. They're trying to think their their brains tell them when they're about to have. So, if we we don't name our beers like we don't call them the Johnny Roger or whatever, we just call them for what they are. Um, and people more and more are, are starting to grow. So I did a coffee hour with a local roaster. So it's it's um, just a like a rich brown really sort of beer and. Banged a heap of coffee in there, and I didn't want to put it in the fermenter as a as a brew. I actually put the coffee through the mash tun and did it that way. And it's really mellow, and people sort of say, Oh, coffee and beer, and they try it and then they realise, oh, I didn't I've never had a darker beer, and before you know it, they're sitting on the dark ale, you know. So it has it has it's taught people to think outside the square, which is pretty cool. And it's good to watch. It's like exciting. To watch someone who said I never drank beer, and you turn around and they're in the brew pub with a with a pot of dark or something in their hand because it, they can taste coffee and chocolate and different things, and they're not tasting beer that their old man gave them a sip of when they were
0: young, <laughs> <laughs> and certainly not underage. Um, talk us through your um, your, your homebrew uh, experience. Are you still brewing now? Have you have you always brewed, or have you put brewers on and? Has uh, How did you find the stepping up, I guess the, the scaling up of, you know, I'm a home brewer, shouldn't be too hard, just multiply everything by 10? <laughs> yeah, not quite. Um, yeah, so look, you know, I started with the kits, like everyone with you know,
1: watched my dad and my brother make a few beers and I thought, oh, I could do that with my mates and, you know, I sort of did them for years and years and then you just eased into the... Oh, what happens if I add some hops and you start experimenting and you know, just over 10 or 12, 15 years or whatever it be, would have been, become started sort of edging towards all grain and eventually you find yourself I've got like a little Adco hut at home that's like a little mini brewery and you, know, you end up in there midnight smashing out batches of beer and you think, oh crikey, this can't be too hard to turn it into a big one. So... Well, that's a pretty
0: oh, common story. It's
1: pretty wrong there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, like, eventually just sort of took that leap of faith and and went towards the big one. I brewed, I always had, like, in my own mindset, I wanted to be the brewer here for at least a year and a half. And I thought, if I can brew for a year and a half, and then because I'm out of the three guys, you know, I'm, I'm here solid in the business... So I thought if I can do that and then make my way back into the day-to-day stuff, that'll be okay or maybe I need to put another brewer on. So I learnt lots fast and made a fair few mistakes pretty quick. Um, I'd spent some time, I'd worked in logistics all my life, well, 20 years working for Tile and then ended up at the butter factory, local butter factory. So I sort of got a bit of a mindset around stainless and what was going on. So, I didn't work in the plant, but I worked around it. So, stepping up was, was a bit daunting and, yeah, like I said, I made plenty of mistakes and dumping a batch of
0: beers is not fun. They're learning experiences. They're only a mistake if you make them twice. True. Good point. Good point. So, I haven't dumped two batches, so that's a good thing. You haven't made a mistake yet? No, nah, no.
1: Nah. So, just a learning curve. Um, and, look, I've, I've picked up a brewer now, so... And I'm back... I'm here now running the venue, so... I had a, a local guy who'd who worked at many breweries and around the traps in Melbourne and he come knocking a few times and told him go away and I said, I've got this, you know, and hanged on to the reins and realised one day I thought I think I need this bloke. So Matty's here now brewing for us and it's it's a best relationship we've had.
0: And Adam is he a local or is he commuting from Melbourne? No, he lives in
1: Movie North, so He'd um, worked down there for Eric for a while and many years ago and he'd worked at Southern Bay and Creatures and all those sorts of places. So um, he's in moving north now and he just comes here when I need him. I just sort of tell him I need a batch pumped out over the next week and he just works out which day he wants to come in and do it. And So, you know, at first I thought, oh, I might just use him to help me out. He was working for Pat Can the first time he came here, so... He'd already been here before, packing out beers one day. And, um, yeah, he'd moved down there, moving north with his wife and whatnot. So, the family. And it it's, it couldn't be a better match. So, um, our beers are just so much better. Because, you know, it's just that professional, like, 17 years of experience to my... Seventeen years of smashing them out at home is a big difference. When it's his is all being commercial and mine just being me going ah it's a bit crap but I'll drink it anyway. So um,
0: did that letting go of the reins I guess teach you the value of um, you know as your business grows and in order for it to grow even if you're going to let it grow organically and just sort of you know follow it as it see what happens there's still you've got to I guess let go of the reins and get people in to do the stuff that you either don't like doing, don't have the time to do or are not good at? Yep, definitely do. Um,
1: so it was it was a difficult thought at the start. I thought, I'm going to let this bloke start brewing our beers, what if he stuffs them up? So I'd sort of, over the year and a half, my beers had gotten better and better and better and I thought, this is gross, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on par here. And then Maddie and I come in and we brewed a beer and then we sort of did another one, I think in the second batch. I I'd, I'd walked away as he was brewing. I thought, he, what am I here, standing here t- trying to tell him what to do? So, you should have hung
0: around. You might have learned something. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, well, I do, still do. And, yeah, I still try to pick his brain and we sit down and have a beer together and a bit of a laugh. But um, we have... I've learnt heaps from him and... You, you do, like, there's an element, like, in our business, in this this game, I suppose, that you can try to run run with certain packs. Um, running with some of the bigger packs, you, you got to have a big pocket and it's, it's not easy. It's a tough game and you've got to hand lots of your business over to lots of different people. So we did a little bit of that at the start. We started sort of flicking everything out and we've probably reined it back in a bit. Do anything, Pete, and just sort of thought we don't really need to be trying to run with the big boys when we might fall over. So, um, you know, because it's, it's tough. It's a big market, like the craft Games, a big market. We've got packaged product and, you know, I, we sort of use the philosophy that's used a fair bit in the US now, which is just keep it local and not, you know, we're not trying to push our beer into New South Wales or anything crazy. Um I come from a logistics background, and I know what happens, and I know the costs that are associated with that. So you, we would have to have a, a much larger facility, and uh, you know, ironed out all those little, little costly bugs to be able to play in that market space. So we're not going to try.
0: So we just, yeah, we stay where we are. So what percentage of borough brewing beers? Walk out the door here. Like, can I walk down the street to the IGA or a bottle shop or into the next town? Yep, you can definitely. So we're in piles of bottle
1: shops around locally. We're in local pubs; they stock our beer. Um, you know, you head down to Wanthangi and places like that. We're on multiple taps, so we've got a fair bit of tap beer going out. So kegs kegs are good to be selling, and our packaged product. Um, the majority of all our pack that we do goes out the door elsewhere. And we sell a bit through the bar here. And we've sold a fair bit more during the COVID times. But, yeah, we still of move a fair bit of beer um, locally. A lot of it, there's restaurants to pick it up and things like that. So it's cool. We're, we hit a new restaurant this week. We hit a new pub last week. We hit another, you know, we're in Blackburn Cellars and things like that in Melbourne. Um, which is like around the corner from my brother's. So there's some little ones that we sort of get into because we know someone, but we don't We don't have a salesman on the road, something to beat, trying to get into these big places because we're just going to get gobbled up. So if they want our beer, they come looking for it. But locally, we've found that, yeah, you, you can go to the next town on and the next town on and the next town on. They'll all have our beer in the, in the little bottle shop or whatever.
0: So... But you're just using your uh, many years of logistics experience to get the beer to them rather than having to put on, um, I guess, a third-party provider. Yeah. So, um,
1: Narelle works in the, in the business on that sort of, sort of space, so that's Luke's partner, and she sort of drops them off or I throw the keg in my car or whatever it may be, so it's either Narelle or I. She does the majority of it. Um, during the COVID times, sort of had a bit of an idea, and I thought, we, because we, there's not as many people around, at the brewery, I thought, why don't they come and get their own beer? So, you know, we just put it out there and said, hey, I'll give you give you a slice of the pie back if you, if you come and grab it yourself so I don't have to load it into a car and go running it down. And it worked out really well. So we had, um, you know, local IGAs and things like that that were coming here in their vans and picking up slabs and they're going to probably continue to do that because I'll keep giving them a little bit more off their bill if they want to come and grab it. So... I think there's an element, you know, using that logistics piece, it's understanding that, that you know, why, why do we need to be driving over there when they're coming over here anyway and things like that. It's just trying to get rid of that noise and it's just double costs and it adds money to everything that we do in today's time. So,
0: yeah. yeah. And before we move on to, uh, I guess, you know, polishing the crystal ball and, and asking you to put your thinking cap on and what happens in you know, what's Borough Brewing, Brewing look like in five years time? Let's do a quick uh, our new regular segment called COVID Catch Up. Um, were you able to do the pizzas or food uh, pick up delivery during COVID? Yeah,
1: so COVID hit. We did the probably the standard thing that most brew pubs might have done, and we sort of came in and had a few beers and thought oh, this is going to be pretty shit because we're about people being in our venue. So. We decided to uh, operate as a takeaway shop and we opened, we got little windows out the front. We had people walking up to the window, placing their pizza order and come and grabbing pizzas. I ended up as the pizza cook um, and I've got a girl in the kitchen who made the pizzas and one of the girls on the bar. So they, and yeah, I have my wife in here helping as well and things like that. So we just sort of, as a team, it was probably four of us, bunkered down and dump pizzas. And we actually become pretty... We, we got good at it. I think we did. We've been smashing them out. So we've had some... We've gotten busier and busier every week. You know, we run a little little punter's club between us on how many pizzas are we going to sell tonight and things like that. And you win the pot if you're the lucky winner of the night. So, um, you know, it, it worked. We sold more and more takeaway as the time's gone on, through COVID times. Um, I've done a a growler special and squealer fill every week and more and more people have started buying growlers and squealers and we've got all these locals now that, that we open at four o'clock on a Friday and there's generally about four or five customers at the gate with bottles in their hand come for a fill. So it's it's been cool, it's worked for us.
0: Um, do you reckon you got you picked up new customers as a result of uh, the restrictions or was it just placating or, or giving a, a you know a, a warm, fuzzy hug virtually to your regulars? No, we picked up genuine customers, there's no doubt.
1: So we got, um, there's people that sort of, we've done things like pamphlet drops around town saying, hey, we've got pizzas on offer and they might not have known we did pizzas because they looked and said, oh, there's a brewery, they're just about beer. I don't drink beer, I'm not going there. Um, and more and more we've had these customers come in and we, we, we speak to our customers regularly on on a base on when they come in. If they're a face we don't know. Being a little town, you sort of tend to know who's who and you recognise people. So we tend to ask them, you know, oh, where did you see us or what made you come in? And some of them said, oh, I've just come in, I thought I might try your beer, you know, like it's like they're probably trying to do the right thing. Um, and more and more that's grown. They've just coming back and back every week and grabbing their six-packs. I've got a guy that comes through every week that refuses to pay my covert rates and he wants to pay the full tote odds that it was prior and because he's trying to support us more and more. So there's a, there's a support element where people are supporting us, but there's, there's definite genuine customers that are just... And the same with the pizzas that are just coming back now and see us as a, a place that they didn't realise existed
0: thinking about the the collab beer if you like that you did with the with the coffee roaster who I'm assuming is a, a local roaster yeah
1: definitely from one yep.
0: um do you think this has given us that opportunity I guess for people to focus on local um and to look into a little bit more where their food comes from where their beer comes from where their wine comes from where their dairy goods comes from yep definitely
1: um it, it's you, you're talking to the customers and and once we open back up and you get to sit down and have a natter with them in the in the brew pub. You'll, will we'll hear it even more because you'll get to have a more lengthy convo with them. But they're they're definitely they're enjoying that that uh, local aspect more and more, and saying, hey, it's made here and it's it's local and it's Australian owned and they know who owns it and you know never more have I ever seen in my life where they that drum's beaten harder and harder. So it's only going to work in our favour in a sense that more and more people want to drink local and understand local product and where it come from. And we use things like local finger limes, and I've got a fresh hop beer that's the hops grown 10k's up the road by Hudson hops. So you know they we go out to the you know Maddie and I went out there to the binds and picked the hops, brought them back, brewed with it the next day, and things like that. So made a wet hop beer. So. They they like to hear that, so they like you know when's the fingerline beer coming out because it's local limes that are picked and put into the brew,
0: so it's good. There's a chance for a free plug because I'd never heard of Hudson Hops. I didn't. I wouldn't have thought of this area. I would have thought perhaps a little bit too chilly. The days not quite long enough for for hop growing. Um, what's the deal? Ah, uh, so Gavin
1: Gavin from Hudson Hops. He he come. Um, come about from a mate of his sort of grows hops, so he sort of got into it and learned about them, and thought how cool are these things. He was a um, international airline pilot, so when he had his time, he just sort of read stuff on it and, and you know educated himself on hops. And he's put in oh, he's got a fair few binds out there and about five five varieties, and um, we're into these coming heading towards the third year now, so.
0: Is he just selling direct to small local brewers?
1: Yep, yep. So and yep, he he loves it here. He comes in here a bit and he's sort of hit a few local breweries. He's he's not going to try to be this new. He's not going to HPA will be okay, I think. Um, They're not shaking in their boots, you reckon? (laughs) Nah, I think they're okay. But Gav's yeah, it's in a little town called Pooong. Actually, I don't know whether you've ever heard of that. Yeah. So. He's out there on a hill. It's probably a bit windy for him. Probably um, good he
0: called it Hudson Hops rather than poo Hops.
1: Yeah, poo <laughs> Hops mightn't have salt too well. So, but yeah, look, Gav and I have got a good working relationship and he's a great bloke. So, yeah, his kids work for me actually as well. and So, yeah, it's just that small town sort of community stuff. Gav doesn't want to send his hops all over the countryside. He, he likes to keep them local and in a beer where he can bring his mates and take them over the tap and say, "Hey, have one of these. It's my hops that I grew. And he comes in on brew day and helps us, you know, helps us out as well. And he's he's been pretty chuffed with himself to dunk them in the tank. And that's really cool.
0: Yeah. Um, so now, talk us through. Um, we've got a. What What was the place before?
1: Oh. If If you could say, if you go on our Facebook page, you can go right back to the start and see. What it was because we, we documented the process, the build. So, sort of ran like a bit of a weekly photos every week of what we're doing here. So, I'd left my job and worked here as an owner builder for about six months. But it was a, the best way to describe it, it's a rat infested cesspit, I suppose. It was, and that were the nicer aspects of yeah, it. Yeah. So, it was, it was a uh, grain store originally. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. So we had it. We ran as a name Grain Store Brewery for a little bit. Um, it was a grain store. It had a big ramp running through the middle where trucks drove through from the front out to the back. Uh, then it became a nursery, and it had plants out the front where our beer garden is. Was where all the plants got sold, and the, where the our kitchen sits was where the goldfish were. And everyone always says, "Oh, is that where the fish was?" You know. So, but basically, we we took it on and. We kept the roof and the back wall and half of the side wall, I think, and that was about it, and just ripped everything else out. We pulled about 90 tonne of soil out of the site and rock and then just build it ground back up. So, yeah, it was, it was critical, though. Like, one of our key things was walk in the front gate, see the taps, see the tanks, and have separate spaces. So, you know, we're sitting in here in the barn now. You could be sitting out the front on the grass, or you could be sitting on the deck, or you can be sitting out the brew tank. So they're, they're different fields. And um, this venue really lended itself to, to having that. So we weren't just a big box with tanks in the corner that, you know, if you, if you didn't like the feel, you were sort of stuck with it. Um, we get people all the time, they sit down in the bar and then get up and move up the rack or go out the front and, you know, they just after a different feel while they're here and a different experience. And it gives them a Totally different experience. The bar can get loud with everyone yelling and screaming for their next sale. So, you know, the deck's got the road with cars whizzing by, and we got some hops. Gav gave me some hops to go out there. So, we chucked a couple of pines in last year, but they'll come good next year. We'll put them in a bit late.
0: So, and, and talk us through the business plan. How did you go about financing? Did you, because you, you, it's effectively a three family. Business? Did you did you look at going out and buying debt or getting other investors or mortgaging the house or putting redundancies in? How did you work it out?
1: Yeah, look with um. So Luke's a financial advisor, so he's he's a bit smart with all that sort of stuff. A lot smarter than I am, that's for sure. So he he knew, you know, what I come up with a number and said we need this this amount of dollars, I believe, from everything I'd come up with, and they slapped me around the ears and told me it ain't going to happen. Um, I presented the number, probably the same again back to him. Once I'd recut it, uh, might have dropped five grand off. But um, you know, we sort of all threw our little pennies in each, um, and we got some finance, and we sort of made it all happen. So it, it's made it hard. Like it, it's a cash flow. It's such a cash flow draining business. Like the bills. You know, Luke always says to me. We can spend money, mate. Like, like it's just. It's and at least you guys have
0: got the advantage that uh, at least you're not sending as much beer out as what you're selling through here. So you're not waiting on you know thirty or sixty or ninety day.
1: Yeah, we've got a little bit of it, and it can it can get long in the tooth with a few few supplies. But that's, that's yeah. we're, we're no different. You know, we, we it's it's tough. It's a tough game, and um, I suppose that there's that element if if you've got too much. Going out that way, and you know you, you're heading into the some of the big retail, big box sort of stores. They're going to sit you at 120 days, and they're going to play on that as well. And you know to go three months without your coin, it you, you can put you in a bit of trouble. Especially by the time you've thrown all your ingredients and you've done all the work, and you've got a logistics aspect of that as well, um, it can sink you. So by us pegging in. It allows us to to make sure we're sort of sustainable and, and not going to fall on our ass.
0: And now, now pulling out the crystal ball, are you thinking six months ahead, a year ahead, two years ahead, five years ahead, and what does it look like?
1: Look, we're thinking at the moment because of what's just happened um, with the covert stuff. We're about to open back up, and we're sort of looking twelve month sort of stage at this this at the moment to look two and five and ten years can be really tough. Like, who knows what's going to happen. No-one would have predicted this. I don't think anyone had a business plan where they had page 64, you know, what if there's a pandemic? I don't think think that was going to happen with anyone's business plan. Um, And so for us, we've probably just thought, shit, what are we going to do? Let's bunker down and... And ride out the 12-month storm. So, 12 months' time for us is about being here, being in more local venues, getting more and more tap presence uh, as people want to start to drink local. So, there's that. There's a, there's a good leverage off it to say, hey, people want to drink local now, and we can get into some of these taps. Um, as you know, the, the tap contracts another hour-long conversation, but. More and more, I think pubs are starting. If they can, they're they're loaning that money or they're doing what they can to not enter into those contracts. So it's allowing more and more of places like us to pick them up and just get a bit of a feel. Like they don't have to sell different beer, but they at least deserve some flexibility. So, um, which is allowing us to step in, which is really cool. Um, but, look, the five-year, the 10-year five plan, the longer-term goals for us is to just keep growing uh, naturally and not try to, you know, like I said before, enter into that marathon when we're not match fit. Is you, know, I don't, I, you see some breweries fall over from it or they get gobbled up by someone else because they can't afford to keep running that race.
0: So, are you confident that the model is sustainable with, with the size of the brew house? You've got the the style of hospitality offering, uh, the size of the venue that you could kind of just keep growing organically.
1: Yeah, definitely, we can. And I think we've got that feel too. You know, we, we we've we've had our ups and downs over eighteen months that we, or twelve months that we've been running. So, we've we've hit many hurdles. We've gotten over them, but we realise that we're where we are achievable of, of staying as we are and and just chugging along and and you know playing in some of the sand pits that we shouldn't be in can can have you know poor cash flow issues that come from it. So it's just about keeping our eye on that target and, and making sure we don't, we don't fall over. So with my old logistics background, i we were really really tight margin as a third party warehouse um, and Luke's sort of financial background and, and as, as the same with my brother with Anthony having his own business. We've sort of we all know that you know spending money that we may not have could can get us to do things that we're not doing now, but it might might be damaging to the longer term growth of the business. so it's good to good to keep our heads. Bunker down and keep the ropes tight and don't let ourselves go too crazy. But we get, we get lots of local support and regional support. Like it's phenomenal. So just South Gippsland as a whole is really supportive and it's allowing us to grow. With our
0: Another staff. big aspect, I guess, of that local character is the importance of the local sporting clubs as well as the volunteer organisations, whether it be SES or CFA or um, other search and rescue sort of ventures, um, obviously the the sporting side of things are sort of all been put on a halt due to COVID. Um, but how's your relationship been, I guess, with the, you know, because, you, again, you're competing with uh, the club rooms yep. for a Carlton draft tap or, a, a you know, a two-ease-new tap or what?
1: It, it's not easy, Pete. Like, it's not easy in a lot of those clubs. There's a lot of clubs out there that are, that are the you know, the big fish drinkers or... or They've been drinking VB in their club rooms for 20 years, and they're not going to change. So, we, we've played with some of them, and we've we've had good relationships with others. More and more that are growing. So, um, we, our local soccer club's phenomenal. They, you know, they drink more of our beer there than they do other beer. Our footy club, of you know, they stock our beer and play around with this as well. Um, we've got other footy clubs within the region that have. have you know, stock their beer and put our beer on tap and things like that. So, the more of that, I think the clubs will start to understand the local aspect and then they will want to come on board more and more. Um, we've done little things like uh, we had Naira Footy Club who who done their own cans. So, you know, they've done their own little canning run.
0: local premiership's always handy because you can offer to do a, you know, a special limited edition yeah, can yeah. run. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that done, so that's pretty cool. But we, we've
1: done a few little canning runs, just like, you know, they're just basically our beer and we label them up as someone else's and or we put our name still on it. But um, that's been a really good draw card for some of the local clubs. So the footy clubs go, hey, how cool is this? We can have our own, our own beer with our own name on it and our locals will want to drink it more because it's theirs and they want some for home on the shelf and give to their mates and all those sorts of things so
0: yeah. and you're still bringing in um, mobile canning any plans to put your own canning line in no not not any plan any
1: not anywhere near on the horizon um, it's a fair bit of coin uh, and another expertise level but Maddie worked for a canner so I'm confident Matt could do it but I don't I don't think it's anything that we've talked about in a hurry um, we use pack can now. Um, we've got a really good working relationship with James and, you know, we need a run, we book it in and he he comes and sets up and packs up and, yeah, we've never had a problem with him so he's, it's been really good. So, And he's got more capacity now so it's even easier to get, get runs out of him so we're not about to go and... By our own Cody or anything crazy, so we'll stay as we are. I know if we're going to run our own canning line, you know, i sort of rolled a few numbers around and realised that I'm going to have to run it five days a week or four days a week to become viable, um, or otherwise if you've got that cash, you might as well put it into another tank or something like that. So business plan-wise, the, the canning line's not... You're not going to hear hear that going along here as part of our our makeup for a while. So we'll just keep... We're closed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday normally, so James just pops in. He knows if we're booking a run, he just picks one of those days and he knows that we're closed and in he comes and does his thing.
0: And, Phil, before we let you go, three years ago, the Cryomalt Trade Hub at, uh, upstairs at Fed Square for uh, for Good Beer Week, you were the the bright-eyed, ambitious youngster... Um, asking everyone else for advice. You've had your own brewery now almost two years. As the worm turned yet? Have you had your first incident where someone else has come up to you saying, I want to start a brewery and I want to pick your brain?
1: Heaps. Yeah, heaps, mate. Um, yeah, absolutely heaps. It's, it's not uncommon. So we can get people coming in here. Oh, I, I reckon I'd have two a month, it feels like. So some of them pipe dreams. Um, some of them are real. So Some yeah. of them are future competitors. Yeah, look, uh, it's funny, p- p- a lot of people say, oh, how would you go if someone opened a brewery across the road? I always say that would be fantastic because then there's two in town um, and we're going to get people more wanting to stop and saying, hey, I'm going to drink their beers and their beers and then see if... Crowd we can. brings a crowd. Oh, mate, like, build it and they'll come. So the more the merrier, there's no doubt. Um, Warragul was a place that sort of got banded around by quite a few guys. Snipping at the heels and wanting to come in and have a look around, and um, but some of them come and ask, and you can tell they're just they're just two blokes that are just talking shit, and they know they're not not going to have. Subconsciously, it.
0: they probably want to be talked out of it.
1: Probably, yeah, yeah, and some of them, mate, you can tell they're income. They've they you can just tell by who they else they've spoken to and what they've the way the conversation pans with them, you know, like. It, it, they just say, Oh, is it good fun? Do you get to get pissed? And it's like, Yeah, mate, it's, it's tough work. It's seven days a week. It doesn't go away. Uh, it's relentless. You know, it's wet, it's cold, it's dirty. <laughs> there's, there's only that little glory bit of have, pouring the beer off the tap at the end, the last final little thing. So you gotta, you got to sort of grab them and shake them a little bit and say, Hey, mate, you know, it's not all fun. And I can still, I still remember a conversation with a uh, guy in Melbourne having dinner and he said, oh, I'm just a glorified cleaner. And I thought, oh, piss off, you know, you're more than that, man, you're a brewer. And I was all excited and I I understand what he was going on about now. (laughs) So, yeah, but it's it's true, but it's not. Like, I love it. I've got a real passion for what we do. Um, I love seeing customers have a smile and... And it's probably my biggest conversation I have with anyone who comes and knocks on the door is, hey, if you want to see people smile and enjoy your product, and you know, I often ask, have you ever baked a cake and watched someone eat it or cook the roast and they tell you how nice it was? If that feeling that you get is what you get when you make nice beer and people love it, so if you, if you like that, you'll enjoy it. If that doesn't mean much to you, you're going to start to hate this game because you're just going to be wet and cold for no freaking reason because you can just go buy a box of beer down the road of someone else's so (laughs) it's more about it's more about the whole package so they've got to understand that it's a big package and there's lots of aspects and managing staff and if you don't like managing staff don't do it you know we've got we've had 23 on the books here and different times of casual staff and whatnot so if you're not that people's person wanting to manage staff and deal with all their ups and downs it's, it's not going to be fun for you either.
0: So. Well on that uh, positive yet cautionary note Phil Dempster from Borough Brewing thanks very much for joining us on Beer is a Conversation.
1: Cheers Pete thanks for having me.
0: And that was Phil Dempster from Borough Brewing. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and are proud sponsors of Beer is a Conversation. Now don't forget, if you like Radio Brews News, you can throw us a bone in any number of ways. You can sponsor the show, just drop a few shekels in the cup or leave a one-off bag of cash, small unmarked bills please, or you can review us, hit the like button, subscribe, hit the bell, hardest, us, whatever it is that you cool kids do nowadays, To show your appreciation and also give us a, a share so that other people can find the show as well. Details are in the show notes. You probably don't read the show notes, do you? Or do you? I know some of you do, and for that, I thank you.